Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor Study. There's a story that a tour guide was leading a busload of tourists through Israel. They're driving through the country and he lectures and says, now in Israel you will notice that the shepherd always leads the sheep. In other Middle Eastern countries, the shepherd drives the sheep in front of him. But here in, in Israel, the shepherd always leads the sheep. He's out in front of them. They come over a hill and here is a man with a large flock of sheep and he's behind them driving. And he stopped the bus, came off, and he said, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. I've never seen this in Israel. The shepherd always leads the sheep in Israel. And the man said, well, you're right, but I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher, and I'm driving them before me to slaughter. Today we're going to look at that famous Psalm 23, probably the favorite chapter in all of the Old Testament, the Lord is my shepherd. And we're going to learn that Jesus always leads his sheep. Satan always drives us. So, would you take out your Bible, turn to Psalm 23, and let us go phrase by phrase through maybe the most famous part of the whole Old Testament. Let's pray. Father, we want to pray for anyone watching this show right now who is being driven by Satan rather than being led by you. Teach us, Lord, what it means when we say, the Lord is my shepherd. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we go. Do you know, it's Psalm 23. You know what the word psalm means? I didn't. I had to look it up. The word psalm means, quote, Song to stringed instruments. The book of Psalms in the Old Testament was the Jewish hymn book. They sang these in temple. Psalm 23. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. First lesson. The word Lord there literally is Yahweh or Jehovah. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, Moses looks at the burning bush. God, what's your name? And God says, I am who I am. The first letter of each of those, uh, those words is Yehovah or Yahweh. Okay. So here is the first lesson. God has a personal name. The word Yehovah, Yahweh, is the personal name that God revealed to the Jews. Now, this is not true in Buddhism. Buddhism does not have a personal God. You can be an atheist and be a Buddhist, because Buddhism is more a philosophy of how to get rid of suffering. If you're a New Age person, you don't believe in a personal God, because in New Age, God is kind of this pantheistic blurb. You are God, I'm God, the mountains are God. Everything is God in the New Age movement. So in, in a lot of uh, Eastern religions, there is no personal God. Christianity is different. Christianity has a transcendent God. That means that he's separate from his creation, and he's a personal God. In other words, God has a personality. God can love. He can get angry. He can say things. 
Uh, you can hear him speak. You can say things to him. It's a personal God. So I'm driving by a large Christian church this week, and it says on a big sign, Christian yoga offered here. Uh, you know, should we have yoga in our church? No, we should not. You know, if they're doing stretching exercises, fine, but don't call it yoga. Yoga is when you try to empty yourself of desire and blend in with the pantheistic blurb of the universe. No, no, no. You don't mix the personal transcendent God of Christianity with yoga. Next words. The Lord is my shepherd. Here's the next lesson. David had a personal relationship with God. If you read the Psalms, a lot of them are written by David, and he's always talking to God about something. <laughs> you know, I can remember when this happened for me. When I was a boy, I was taught to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord. I said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God bless Mommy, Daddy, Ruth, Aunt Sharon, Mark, and all our aunts and uncles. And I said the exact same thing every night until I was about 13 or 14. And when I was about 13 years old, I started praying to God on and off in my head all day long. <laughs> I still do. I don't just pray in the morning or at night. I pray on and off all day long to the Lord. David had a personal relationship with God. If you don't have a personal, vital relationship where you're talking to God a lot, that would be something to start today. Next word, the Lord is my shepherd. That teaches Jesus is God. Now you might say, well, how do you get Jesus is God out of the Lord is my shepherd. Well, here in Psalm 23, David is calling God his shepherd. David wrote this about 1000 BC. A thousand years later, Jesus is born, grows up and says, I am the good shepherd. And this is one of those places in the New Testament, and it happens not infrequently, where an Old Testament verse applied to God, it's re-quoted in the New Testament and applied to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is God. Now, did, did David know about Jesus? No, he did not. Did he know about the Trinity, one God and three persons, Father? No. All of that would be revealed later, but what little David knew of God, he knew he was his shepherd. Next words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Have those words ever confused you? They confused me as a kid. And I remember saying to my older sister, Ruthann, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ruthann, aren't we supposed to want the Lord? And then I think she explained to me, I shall not want means I shall not be in want. So here's the next lesson. The shepherd provides. God is our shepherd. It's his job to provide and make sure we're taken care of. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher in England in the 1800s. One day, Spurgeon talked about his grandfather, who also was a preacher, a very poor preacher, who had a large family to feed. He had a modest farm. On that farm was a cow by which they fed their many children. And one day, the cow died. And Spurgeon's grandmother turns to her husband and says, now what do we do? We don't have hardly any money. And he said, well, mother, the Lord will provide. He is our shepherd. 
Unbeknownst to this couple, in London, they're doling out money to give to the poor preachers. And one person at the table says, well, Spurgeon in, in, in Essex, he's a, he's a fine, godly preacher. Let's give him five pounds. Another says, no, let, let's give him 20 pounds. 20 pounds arrived in their mailbox, and Spurgeon turned to his wife and said, now, mother, can't you trust God about an old cow? <laughs> when you say... I shall not want, you're saying, I shall not be in want. God will take care of me. Next words, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's the next lesson. The shepherd provides good food. If you're a sheep, you want green pastures. It is said a couple of hundred years ago, there were no sheep in Australia. They wanted to populate Australia with sheep. So a large ship full of sheep left England on the long journey to the shores of Australia eating dry hay on the way. Finally when they reached the shores of Australia a fog settled in so they couldn't land the ship. And the fog was there I think for like a couple days and the sheep stopped eating the dry hay on board. And the captain was afraid he was going to lose his flock here. Finally, the fog lifted. They landed the sheep that went up on the green hills, ate, and were saved. You know what had happened? <laughs> For those two days offshore, the sheep could smell the green grass on the hill, and it made them lose all their appetite for the dry hay on board. <laughs> When we say he leads me in green pastures, I mean, do you ever get sick of the dry hay of this world? Do you ever just kind of get a sniff of, of the next life and kind of wish you could go? <laughs> well, the, the, sh the shepherd provides green. You know, let's turn off trash TV. Don't watch some of these awful TV shows where it's human dysfunction on parade. You know, turn off the trash and feed regularly upon the Word of God. Read your Bible daily. Pray to the Lord daily. Go to church every week. You know, do something to serve the Lord because green grass is what's going to feed you. Turn off the dry hay. I uh, have a friend that went to Boston for vacation. The upper northeast is, they don't go to church much. <laughs> and he said, I could not find one Christian radio station in Boston. Well, listen, if you're in an area of the country, Minneapolis has some good Christian radio. Listen to Christian radio. Feed yourself on the green grass rather than the dry hay of what's on a lot of radio stations. Next words. He leads me beside still waters. Next lesson. The shepherd leads. And so, uh, Christian, hear this. It's the job of the shepherd to lead it's our job as sheep to follow. I think of Jesus' words, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I am on a clergy Facebook page with a lot of liberal Lutheran pastors. I'm a Lutheran, but I'm more conservative. But I'm on a clergy page with a lot of Lutheran pastors who are very liberal. A lot of them don't believe in hell. A lot of them don't believe uh, that anything's wrong with abortion rights. Some of them are very pro-gay, very pro-gender, transgender, and I, I, inter I, and I try to be very polite. It does not go well. And when I, when I look at some, and these are pastors that are pro-choice. 
And, and I think of the verse, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Listen, it's the job of the shepherd to lead, but Christian, it's our job to follow. <laughs> I will tell you, it grieves me America doesn't follow God anymore. But it really grieves me that a lot of the church doesn't follow God anymore. Uh, uh, some years ago, I had a layover in Amsterdam. So I had a few hours to walk through Amsterdam. Amsterdam has legal prostitution. Drugs are legal in Amsterdam. And so I just walked around. Everything smelled of urine and marijuana. There were windows where women were half naked advertising themselves for prostitution. I mean, it was kind of an armpit of a, of a two-hour walk. And now, in, in Holland, they're afraid because so many Muslims have moved in that they're losing their culture. And I think that's God saying, okay, Holland, you don't want me? You get Islam. But now that's come to America. Now, what is it? Six different states have recreational marijuana use. And I just read, a, and Colorado led the way, just read a, a piece on how Durango, Colorado is having all kinds of problems because now of all the drug use. We need to go back to following the shepherd. Pray for America. Pray for the church that will follow the good shepherd. Next words. He restores my soul. Here's the next lesson. Let the shepherd restore you. David, who wrote those words 1000 BC, would then commit the biggest sin of his life when he had adultery with Bathsheba and then killed her husband, Uriah. And after the guilt finally hit him on what he had done, he wrote Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and restore, restore, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. If you have committed some horrible sin, let the Lord restore you. There is forgiveness with the Lord. He can and he will forgive you if you come to Christ. Let him restore your soul. There was a man that was found frozen to death in a cabin in Canada. Clutched in his frozen hand was a letter that read, Dear Mother, I don't know if anyone will rescue me. All my rations are gone and I am cut off from travel now. I will probably die. But mother, the one question I keep asking myself is, will God forgive my sins? I hope you don't die that way. I hope you know that your sins are forgiven. If you've committed horrible sins, come to Christ, confess them, receive his forgiveness, and let him restore your soul. Next words, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's the next, the next lesson. Sheep go through valleys. Nowhere does it say in the Bible that the sheep, the believers, are spared the valleys. This is my problem with these health and wealth preachers on TV. Don't send them your money if they're promising you that you're going to get healed if you send them money. No, no. And, and you know what their message is? If you believe hard enough, you're always going to be healed. If you believe hard enough, you're going to get lots of money. And no, no, no. The shepherd, I think the sheep go through the same crud everybody else does in life. The difference is... We've got a shepherd to lead us through the crud. That's the difference. I mean, I, I, was, I was at the 
bedside of a dear older woman in the hospital. She loves the Lord. She's such an inspiration to me. And I said to her, isn't the world full of sorrows? And she said, yes, and the Lord is there to get us through every one. He leads me through the valley. Next words, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That teaches God is omnipresent. That means he exists everywhere. Do you know what the three omnis are? God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. God is omnipresent. That means he exists everywhere. God is omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. But when you understand that God is omnipresent, no matter where you are, in the hospital bed or uh, wherever you're at, that helps you fear no evil. You know, I'll share something a little embarrassing here. I was a very neurotic kid. Still kind of am, but when I was a kid, I was neurotic. I have a brother who's a year and a half younger than me. We used to share the bedroom. And when the lights would go out in our bedroom, I was scared to death. I knew there were thieves in the closet. So much to my brother's chagrin, he hated this, I would push my bed next to him and sleep with my rear end on his bed because I had to know there was somebody between me and the thieves in the closet. Then when I'm 12 years old, my sister goes off to college. I have to get my own bedroom by myself. I thought it was going to kill me. But somehow the fear broke. And by the time I'm 16 years old, we had a cabin in the woods. I was able to go out by myself, stay overnight in the cabin all by myself. And it didn't bother me. When you come to understand the omnipresence of God, that thou art with me in the valleys and the mountains, it helps you not fear. Next, look at, well, let's, let's ask a hard question, though, before we leave that point. What about the Christians who are in their bed and a thief breaks in their house and kills them? Where's the omnipresence of God at that point? Well, I think the answer is, the moment they're killed, he's omnipresent to take their soul to heaven. So whether down here or up there, God is always omnipresent to take care of his children. Chrysostom was a leader in the church in 400 AD. The Empress Eudoxia banished him from Constantinople. He preached his last sermon before he had to leave town, and here's what he wrote. What can I fear? Will it be death? But you know that Christ is my life. Will it be exile? But the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Will it be loss of wealth? But we brought nothing into the world and we carry nothing out. So if they banish me, I shall be like Elijah. If they throw me in the mud, like Jeremiah. If they plunge me in the sea, like Jonah. If they put me in the pit, like Daniel. If they stone me, like Stephen. If they cut off my head, like John the Baptist. If I'll be like the Apostle Paul, if they hit me with stripes. Isaiah, if they saw me in two. Chrysostom knew, no matter what they do to me, no matter where I have to go, God will be with me. Next words, thy rod. You know what a rod is? Here's the next lesson. God clubs our enemies. The rod is that stick. 
in the shepherd's hands by which he beats off the wolves from getting to the flock. Thy rod means God clubs our enemies. Many times, whether you know it or not, God has protected you or you wouldn't even be alive to watch this show. I'm going to share something here. Take it for what you think it's worth. But in my whole life, I've seen an angel once, I think. And here's what happened. It's about 9 o'clock. I'm waiting for a bus in downtown San Diego. I've got two hours to wait. So I thought, well, I'll take a walk in downtown San Diego. I'm walking through the streets, and I realize, ooh, this is a rough part of town. But I made it on the bus, went to Los Angeles, stayed overnight with, with some friends of mine. I had this bedroom all to myself. Middle of the night, I wake up, and there is this tall form standing over my bed. I mean, I couldn't see a face, but this very tall figure standing over my bed as if to say, I watched over you tonight. Thy rod, God is protecting you with his rod or you wouldn't still be alive. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Here's the next lesson. Praise God for his discipline. You know what the staff is? Uh, uh, the staff is that crook, that um, bent thing that the shepherd uh, carries. And when a little sheep is about to go over the cliff, he hooks the leg of the sheep and yanks it back. And, you know, I don't like God's discipline. I don't like it when he has to, you know, do something to get my attention. But I praise God for that hook because if he didn't, I'd be over the cliff. Praise God for his discipline. All right, and now the 23rd Psalm changes image. It's been the, the Lord is my shepherd. Now it's going to be God is our host who gives us a party. And here's what he says. Thou preparest a table for me, uh, kind of like a party, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, last lesson, God provides goodness and mercy in this life and the next. You know, there's not a clear teaching about heaven in the Old Testament. You just get little glimpses of it. Here's one of the glimpses. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We do get a lot of goodness and mercy in this life, but it's nothing like what's coming. Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin in the 1800s. It caused a lot of people to be against slavery. And you probably know the quote, when, when Abraham Lincoln met Harriet Beecher Stowe, he said, so here's the little lady that started the great big war. In Uncle Tom's Cabin, he's being beaten by the slave master, Simon Legree, who says, how would ye like to be tied to a tree and have a slow fire lit up around ye? Wouldn't that be pleasant, eh, Tom? Master, said Tom, I know ye can do dreadful things, but after ye've killed the body, there ain't no more ye can do. And oh, there's all eternity to come after that. Master Legree, I ain't afeard to die. I'd as soon die as not. You may whip me, starve me, burn me. It'll only send me sooner where I want to go. <laughs> the point of Uncle Tom is we get some goodness and mercy in this life. It's nothing compared to what's coming. So let's put it all together. The Lord 
that's the personal name for God, is my shepherd. You can have a personal relationship with God. He's my shepherd. Jesus is God. I shall not be in want. He will take care of all your needs. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, we only have a few minutes left, but I guess, when were the Psalms actually written, mm -hmm. and did David write all of them? No, uh, oh. David wrote a lot of them, about 1000 BC, but then other uh, Jewish uh, writers, they were all written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, which is why Psalm 22 is so amazing. Psalm 22 prophesies the crucifixion of Christ hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. So read Psalm 22 sometime, which was written 1000 BC by David. Wow. What does it mean when somebody says that they pray the Psalms? Uh -huh. I mean, yep. I've I, heard I, that. And phrase. I did that this morning, Jackie. I opened up to one of the Psalms. And I, out loud, I prayed it to the Lord. And it's easy to do that with a lot of the Psalms. So I encourage you to try that. Yeah. Okay, so what exactly does it mean to say, I have a personal relationship <laughs> with I, I have a buddy that I grew up with, and he said to me some time ago, and he, he, he's, he's, I don't know where he's at spiritually. He now goes to a hyper-liberal congregational church, and he said, Tom... Do you have a personal relationship with God as if, are you one of those kooks? <laughs> and I said, yes, I have a personal relationship. And I said, now, that doesn't mean that I'm hearing voices or anything else, but I pray to him and he, he talks to me through the Bible, is kind of what I told him. <laughs> okay, one last question very quickly. What's the most important psalm? I would say Psalm 22, that one that okay. prophesies the death of Christ a, a thousand years before Christ appears. But it appears that most people, the psalm that they all can quote is Psalm 23. And that would be maybe the second most important psalm, 22 and 23. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to just say thanks to our yeah. viewers, Tom? we got one minute. You bet, everybody. Thank you for praying for our show. I ask you to do that. Would you pray for this ministry? We're on all over the country now. Pray also for our finances. It's taking us a dip, and I'd rather not we have to cut certain stations around the country. We'd like to stay on all of them. If the Lord nudges you, uh, you'll see a, an address in a moment where people donate, and, and you'll also go to our website. You can do that there as well. But pray for us if the Lord... Some people give us a, a check every single month. Some people just give one huge check. Some people give lots of little checks. But whatever the Lord leads, we appreciate it. But God bless you, and we'll see you next time at the Pastor Study. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.